Howard just threw a right hand. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Jawan Howard shouldn't have thrown anything. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. My coach should not be throwing hands. It, it was embarrassing. It's embarrassing for the school. It's embarrassing for everybody in Maze and Blue. Earlier on the show, ESPN NBA insider Brian Wintours. Still to come, Pro Football Hall of Fame inductee Tony Baselli. New York Post columnist Ian O'Connor. Plus, Texas head coach Lovey Smith. And now, it's Rich Eisen. All right, everybody. Hour number two of the Rich Eisen Show on the air. Brian Winhorst of ESPN just gave us a whole ton to talk about and think about in the NBA. What's going on as that second half, de facto second half of their season begins and tips off on Thursday. If you missed any of it, YouTube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. Lovey Smith, the head coach of the Houston Texans, will be joining us at the top of hour number three. Uh, Ian O'Connor, he has uh, written a book on Coach K. That's coming up, uh, a conversation with him in about 18 minutes' time. Uh, 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. We will take your phone calls here on this busy Tuesday show. Chris Brockman and Mike Del Tufo in their spots. And we've got TJ Jefferson in his spot right here on the show. And you where you are is, again, 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. We have spoken to this man many times uh, on this program and frequently uh, after a Super Bowl, um, he's been calling NFL games for Westwood One Radio, and you know I'm a Monday Night Football host for that. Um, so uh, we've had conversation after Super Bowl weekend in which he's been sorely disappointed not hearing his name called for the hall. That changed this time around. Mm-hmm. He got a door knock, and he is in the Pro Football Hall of Fame 2022 class. Thrilled to have here on the Rich Eisen Show, Tony Baselli on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line. How are you, Tony? Well, Rich, I'm doing good. I'd like to thank you. Uh, that's a good intro. It sounds Thanks, much better than usually after the uh, Super Bowl when we talk. <laughs> Right. Right. So, okay. Uh, Tell me about the door knock from Anthony Munoz, of all people, fellow Trojan and fellow now Hall of Famer. That had to be pretty cool for you. Yeah. Well, if you notice, like everyone else had someone from their franchise who was a Hall of Famer. So, obviously, Jacksonville, I'm the first. So, there was no one to knock on my door. And if you could have listed, Rich, all the people in the world that. I would have wanted to open up the door and see, welcome me to the Hall of Fame. There's I, there's not a better person than Anthony Munoz. You mm-hmm. mentioned he went to SC. He set the standard. He's the best ever, in my opinion, it's the position I played. Uh, he's a guy that I wanted to be like. It's like that's who you would model your game after. Uh, over the years, we've become friends, um, and he's always been super supportive. And so, like that moment it was going to be awesome regardless of who knocked on the door, to be clear. Because, I mean, you're going to the Hall of Fame, which is the highest individual honor you can get in the game of football. But when it was Anthony Munoz, and I opened that door, and he's in his gold jacket, he gives me that big hug, and my family's behind it. It's a moment I'll never forget. It's like one of the, you know, we all have highlights in life, like these big moments, you know, getting married, having kids, um, whatever they are. And this is going to be one of those for me. And what was that moment like with your wife, Tony? Because I know with my wife, um, she, um, one of the many things I love about her is whenever uh, I, I, I'm i slighted or she feels I've been slighted, she's not only there to, you know, pick me up or give me the, you know, kind of, you know, screw them sort of uh, conversation. Um, 
so what was it like to actually celebrate this moment with somebody who's been by your side for all those times where the door didn't get knocked? Tony. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, we've been married. It'll be 27 years this year. I mean, we dated in college. Um, she was there when I got drafted. Um, she was there for the big moments as a, as a player, as a Jaguar, you know, Hawaii, all pro, you know, alignment of the year, all the big stuff. She was there when I got hurt too. And I was found out my career was over and she dealt with, you know, me being down and depressed. And I mean, she is, she's my best friend and, and to be able to, and she's always, she's like, you just said it, Rich. I mean, she's the one who's in my corner. Like, shoot, like you can, like my wife is the nicest person in the world, literally the nicest I've ever met outside of two things. If you talk bad about her husband or her kids, she will come kill you. And I mean, it just like, watch out. Like I'd be careful. Angie Maselli's coming after you. If you talk about her husband or her kids. Right. And for her to be a part of that moment for me, I mean, it's obviously I'm going into the Hall of Fame, but I like she's coming with me mm-hmm. and my kids and my teammates and like my close friends and and the best part about it is, you know, they voted on the 18th of January. I the knock happens on the 27th, so that's what nine days in between. Right. She got a phone call from the Hall of Fame on the 19th, the day after, letting her know that I made the Hall of Fame because they have to schedule the knock and I travel a lot and like where am I going to be? And she kept it a secret for me for nine days and she played it up perfectly. She acted like she was worried that I hadn't heard anything. You know, cause I'm getting anxious. And, and when it all happened, I looked at her, I said, I'm going to kill you. Like, what, what else have you been lying to me about? Because <laughs> you're really good at it. You're really good at this. So, wow. It was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. So, because they have to let somebody in your family know because they can't yeah. bring Anthony Munoz and, you know, you're out, get you know, doing a, a, a grocery run, right? I mean, like you got right. and 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 I'm sure, you, you know, uh, you have to make sure that everyone's around that you wanted to be around. And she had to arrange, but that had to kill her, right? For eight oh, days. Yeah. I, I don't know how she did it, Rich. I mean, she she had to, so she had to get my my mom was there. Mm-hmm. She had my stepmom because my dad passed away in uh, last year, so he, which was one of the probably the only disappointing thing because he couldn't be right. You know, I was really oh. close to my dad, but she had to get my stepmom, my kids. Some live in South Florida. Some live in Gainesville, the University of Florida. She had to get all them there, mm. and she orchestrated this entire thing, and. And I had no idea. I, I I opened that door and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. It's Anthony Munoz and on your on your stoop and his jacket, and, right? Extending and his, his hand. Jacket and um, just gives you that big hug. And I was just like, this is awesome. And then we got to sit down and talk. And Anthony and I are friends. So mm-hmm. it just made it that much special. We had the, got some bubbly out, little champagne toast. And, uh, and it was awesome. It was just it, like, it's those, like, it's what life's all about. Because to me, making the Hall of Fame is amazing. It's like huge. But to be able to experience that with the people you love and who've been there and have been cheering you on and, you know, to just, it was, it was glorious. It was awesome because the five years before that we'd be in a, you know, a hotel room or whatever. We'd find out I didn't make it and they'd all be crying. I'd be sitting there. The only one not, I mean, I was upset, but like my wife's crying, my kids are crying. And so just to take that and remember those disappointments where everyone experienced that together, which is part of life too. And that's why you love family. Um, but to see them as excited and and go to the Super Bowl and experience all the big moments, it was it's just been a great ride. It's, Tony, been, it's been awesome. Tony Baselli here on the Rich Eisen Show, and again to go to the Super Bowl in Southern California, right where you played your college ball, and 
you know, and who, who the hell knew there would ever be, a, oh. you know, a Super Bowl back in Los Angeles, and let alone, you know, um, a moment for you uh, where you could see maybe some of your old college mates or hit hit campus. Yeah. That's pretty cool awesome. too, right? And we had a party. We had a party Thursday night after the honors with the Jags to help host mm-hmm. on campus at USC at Heritage Hall. And Rich, you mentioned about the Super Bowl being back in LA for the first time. The last time I played in 1994 at USC was the last year the Rams and the Raiders were in LA. And so, like, the full circle and come back and to be inducted to the Hall of Fame in LA, the whole thing it was amazing. And my, you know, we had this big party, and probably, I mean, there's so many great moments, but. I'm just going to brag my wife some more because she, you know, my, as I mentioned, my dad died on uh, Memorial Day last year, which anyone who's lost a parent, they, you know, I mean, that's just devastating. And I knew um, the year, you know, earlier that year when I found out I wasn't going to make the Hall of Fame again, that he probably wasn't going to make it because mm. he had cancer. And, uh, and so you go through it, you go through all the emotions, and it was emotional when I found out. And I knew my dad, you know, he wasn't here with me. And so I, what I didn't know, and we, so we have this party Thursday night at the, after the honors at USC, and, and at the end of it, or near the end, they run this video. It's all my friends and family like congratulating me, and just really cool little moments, making fun of me, which I love. I love when people take shots, because it's just it's good stuff. And at the end of it, all of a sudden, my dad pops up on the screen. And my wife and one of my best friends, a guy named Eric Murphy, 12 days before my dad died, convinced him to do a video congratulating me on making the Hall of Fame. No way. Oh, wow. And, Rich, Whoa. I'm getting emotional just thinking about it here. Me I couldn't too. even watch it. I put my, I put my head in my hands, and I, I still haven't got up like the strength to go back and watch the whole thing because he lost me when he said his opening words. He says, I'm so proud of you, son. And I was like, mm. I'm done. And... But it was such, I mean, I just, I mean, the fact that my wife and my friends thought about doing that and uh, making that a reality. So just like so many cool moments. Wow. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a fortunate, I'm a fortunate man, Rich. I, I lost my dad in 2019. I'm getting choked up hearing it, you know, because I'm part of that um, unfortunate fraternity yeah. of, of, of having lost my father and you gave me goosebumps. That had, that had to be, inc- oh my gosh that that actually happened and now you can actually see the video and you are that hall yeah. of famer man and you're the first it, as a jaguar i mean it's incredible it really is um yeah it doesn't replace him not being there of course but you know what it doesn't i mean it's his best i mean it was awesome wow tony and, uh, yeah awesome tony baselli here uh, on the on the rich eisen show so um you know, I, I just mentioned you, you were the first Jaguar to go in the hall, right? Uh, you were the first Jaguar ever. So one day, now, you will get to knock on the door of another Jaguar, right? Like if this is the way that this is going to be done from now on, yeah. you're that guy. Whose door do you think you should be knocking on, Tony? Give me some names. You know, I'm a, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm going to bring up a guy who's a semifinalist this year. He has to be a finalist in, in Fred Taylor. And I, you know, I think Fred Taylor was probably the, one of the most underappreciated running backs um, in his area. He has over twelve thousand yards. He averaged four point six yards a carry. Um, you know, he gets knocked because he, you know, didn't make All Pro and you know, not a, a lot, a big number of Pro Bowls. But if you go ask anyone who played with him or anyone who played against him, 
there was not a more dangerous back. And his stats back it up. And I'm hoping, you know, sometimes in smaller markets you don't get recognized. I mean, if a guy like that would have played in Dallas or New York in a big market with the numbers he put up and the way he played, um, he was a superstar. And I, I saw it firsthand. I got a block for him. And he's a guy that I think needs to get recognized. And it would, it would be – what it would be pretty cool if one day I get to do that. He's been a semifinalist. Hopefully he gets, to, gets in the room where they can debate him, and we'll see what happens. Tony Baselli here on the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, before I let you go, I want you to put your uh, your paparazzi hat on um, and tell me what you think won, what was the thing that won Super Bowl 56 for the Rams. I can guess a number of the guy, but there, <laughs> you know, uh, he wasn't the MVP either. So... Um, what do you make of that Rams win and why it happened, Tony? So it was the least amount of football I've watched in the Super Bowl because I was too uh, busy enjoying myself. For it, to be Understood. Clear. Understood. But what I watched Understood. and going back and looking at the game overall, um, it goes back to the fact that the basics of the game of football. If you can't, if you can't control the line of scrimmage, you can't block people up front. It's really hard to win. Now the Bengals had overcome it and they'd done it so many times that nine sacks and the Titans they overcame it. Their defense had played so well in the playoffs. But at some point in big moments, it's going to come back to haunt you, and it did. And I don't know how Aaron Donald – and that's taking nothing away from Cooper Cup. What an amazing year he had, and he's an amazing player. But Aaron Donald in that defensive front dominated Joe Burrow, and if they didn't, the Bengals win that game uh, because Joe Burrow was going to tear him apart. And But he never had time, and Aaron Donald, who is just a man among – you know he's a man. He's he's uh, dominates games. He takes over, and he did. And at the biggest moment, he made the biggest play. So that's you know that's where it comes down to. So who does Aaron Donald compare to? A guy that you were trying to block back in your yeah. I think you know he reminds me a lot of John Randall. You know, similar size, explosive, really powerful. You know, uh, I think maybe I think Aaron's probably maybe a little quicker. But I think the mo- I think John Randall probably his motor goes a little stronger, a little harder. You know, John Randall was a guy who like every snap, backside, front side was just going to come after you and try to take your head off. And I'm not saying Aaron Donald loafs or anything. Aaron Donald's, you know, so quick at the point of attack. Um, but that's probably you know body type and how he played. Uh, you know, you look people talk about is Aaron Donald the greatest defensive player ever? I don't know, and I don't really don't care. I think it's it's a dumb argument because I'd say, what about Bruce Smith? What about Lawrence Taylor? What about Deacon Jones? I mean, like you have to. I mean, what about Ronnie Lott when he did at safety? Um, and so I think it's just dangerous. I, I, we live in a culture where it's recency bias, and what we see the latest is the greatest. And that's you know, Aaron Donald's in the conversation, and that's all that should matter because all the guys. When you get to that level, it's like I was, I was joking with Bruce Smith when he came up on stage after he introduced me at honors, gave me a big hug, and congratulated me, and he had his he had his red jacket on, yes, one hundred year team, and I said I said Bruce, thanks for I'm I could, I'm so excited to be a Hall of Famer, but that jacket means you're in the Hall of Fame of Hall of Famers, <laughs> and ultimately that's where Aaron that's the type of player Aaron Donald is. Well, you know that's why Bruce Smith was wearing it, right? That's you know he that's a flex that's a flex. But here's here's the here's here's what really matters when it all comes down to it, Tony. Is every single person you name, with the exception of Deacon Jones, is going to be there to shake your hand for years to come in Canton, Ohio, and that crazy ass Randall with his war paint and everything that trying to get in your head 
all those days and years, um, you're his peer and the greatest club, period, for football in Canton, Ohio. And that's it. And you will be the one shaking Aaron Donald's hand when you welcome him in. It's so cool, and I can't wait to be there and watch this all wash over you, man. Like, uh, I've seen it so many times that right now you're first blush in it and you've got all these preparations and you're going to feel like you're getting married again, right? Because <laughs> of, yeah, of invitations right. <laughs> and, and all of that, you know, and, and you're gonna f- it's going to feel like your second wedding, right? But then when it comes time to get the jacket slipped on you and to reveal your bust and to walk into that Nitschke luncheon and see all of those gold jackets around you and you're one of them now, it is so amazing. I can't wait to watch that for you, Tony. Can't wait. It's going to be great. Rich, I appreciate it. And as someone who has loved the game of football since I can remember, it's all I ever wanted to do. And the fact that what you just described, I'm going to be a part of, Mm -hmm. is you talk about getting emotional and just like having to pinch yourself, um, making sure it's not a dream because it's better than any dream I've ever had. Congratulations. High five your wife for me. Seems like she pulled off quite the caper. (laughs) It seems like she pulled off quite the caper. So uh, I appreciate it, Riz. Thanks for having me. I I appreciate you having me on. Always. When I didn't make it, and now that I made it. So thanks. We have to to keep it fair and balanced. Thank you, Tony. You be well. (laughs) Take care, man. You got it. Tony Baselli right here in the Rich Eisen Show. Can you imagine trying to keep a secret from your spouse for nine days? And it's, well, it's not even like your kid like got a bad mark on a paper and you're hiding it. Like this is a whole production. Well, I'm fixing the fence and she what a surprise! It's yeah. not just again what Tony Baselli just told us. It, it, how his wife got the call from the hall the day after the vote and asked her to keep it a secret from from her husband from Tony <laughs> because. You know, they had to get ready for the knock and, and, and present it for him. And so she wanted to keep it as special for him as possible. And she had to keep it a secret for a while. But then he reveals that that's not the only secret that she's kept. I cannot imagine. Again, I'm obviously get emotional about this because I lost my dad in 2019. Mm-hmm. I lost mine in 07. And Mikey, you've been without yours for a while too, right? Yeah. 05. And so I just can't imagine that. They know he's passing away, and they know Tony's going to get in at some point. So somebody sits him, his father down and says, shoot a video for Tony for when he gets in the hall. And he has to, the father has to grasp the, with the idea that he knows he's not going to be around for it. And then sits down and records that video, and they keep that secret. And unveil it for Tony. I'm, I cannot imagine the emotions i know we all got chills at the exact same time i think and uh, i just cannot tell you that this is what is the most amazing thing about this hall of fame and obviously i'm biased with the pro football hall of fame or for any hall of famer right that you get this moment and if your father or your mother or anybody important to you will raise you is not around for it 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 it, it's got to be it's always a very difficult thing one of the most difficult things I've ever witnessed in her grace it was remarkable was Reggie White's wife who sat in for Reggie the entire time when Reggie got in, as we know, he passed away, uh, sleep apnea. And he was um, the first 
first ballot Hall of Famer that I ever saw, and I think that ever existed, and this was prior to Junior Seau, who was posthumously inducted as a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, usually, you know, five years after you're retired, you're still around. And watching her go through it and having to recall Reggie's life and times and hear how great he was and be there and her grace that she had and his whole family that she had was remarkable. Her strength was remarkable and her physical strength. She once joked, I remember she said that for any wife who's got to go through this in future years, she hopes that they don't, obviously, because that means her her husband's not around. But make sure... She understands there's a lot of walking involved. She wouldn't have been wearing heels the entire time, (laughs) is what she said. And so I can't imagine having that man shoot that video and hold that in abeyance for the moment they knew it would be coming and they knew his father wouldn't be around for it. It's one of the most amazing, remarkable, heartbreaking, inspiring, Hall of Fame-related stories i've ever heard imagine the gratitude he feels though that he has that when he's ready to watch when he's wanting to see it through yeah. and i i understand he he said he didn't uh, watch he, it he, yeah he couldn't watch it through it's truly something else we'll take a break 844-204-RICH number to dial ian o'connor's new book on coach k we'll talk with the author when we come back right here on the rich eisen show passion drive and patience The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hey, folks. It's time for the NFL Draft, which means for me... I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Back here terrestrially with our Sirius XM and Peacock partners, the new book where all books can be acquired, written by Ian O'Connor. Coach K, the rise and the rise and reign of Mike Shashevsky, the author right here on the Rich Eisen Show, Ian O'Connor back again. How are you doing, Ian? 
Good, Rich. Thanks for having me. Congrats Again. on congrats. You bet. Uh, congrats on yet another must read for the sports fan near you. Thank you. You bet. So um, you did not get Coach K's um, participation, but a bunch of people participated, I imagine, because they had a check with him first. Is that the way that works in well, this one for you? He said, uh, Rich, that he would not block anybody, and he actually spoke about it yesterday in a press conference, and he didn't. Uh, when I did the Belichick book, Bill did uh, try to block everybody. <laughs> so, so that was a little bit more of a challenging process, and I think the Patriots are a little more secretive than Duke. I would say the Patriots are the Kremlin, and Duke is uh, the CIA, I guess. But <laughs> Okay. No, yeah, it, it, uh, he, he didn't grant any interviews. I believe he wants to do his own book in retirement, so why should he give Ian O'Connor his stories for free without editorial control? And frankly, I don't have a good answer to that question. Right. So I, I don't necessarily blame him for that, but it was nice of him to not block anybody else. So I had access to his best friends, his closest assistants and aides and players over the years, and and actually Duke did help facilitate some interviews. So I was appreciative of that. Okay, so what did you learn about Coach Mike Krzyzewski that you did not know going in? Obviously his... His story has been well chronicled from, uh, you know, Army and Bob Knight being uh, his coach all the way to the present day. Uh, what did you learn here? Well, let me start with something I learned uh, more than 20 years ago. And, and you may have experienced this, Rich. And I don't know how many uh, viewers and, and listeners have, but sitting near the, the Duke bench right behind it for the first time in 99, uh, the Sweet 16 game in the Meadowlands in New Jersey against Steve Alford, and southwest Missouri State for two hours and 15 minutes. It was the most profane. <laughs> I mean, I just couldn't believe the profanity out of his mouth. He's by far the most profane coach I've ever been around. And I, I wasn't offended morally or anything because I curse a decent amount. I, I was entertained. But, I mean, everyone from the rest to his own players to his assistant coaches, he blasted Quinn Snyder profanely a couple of times, who was an assistant at the time with Duke, and so uh, it was amusing, but a lot of people have lived that experience for the first time and then have decided never to sit next to the Duke bench ever again. <laughs> so uh, there are a lot of grandmothers in America who love this guy. If they actually sat next to that bench, they would be uh, pretty mortified. But as far as after uh, talking to hundreds of people for this book, I think the one thing that stands out to me as a, as a surprise is when I ask players how important the pristine or, or relatively pristine perception of the Duke program as the last shining city on the corrupt hill that is major college athletics, is how important is that to Mike? And to a man, the player said, yeah, he cares about that, but really it's nothing close to winning. All he cares about is beating you that day, whoever you are. And, and I, was, I thought it would be more of a 50-50 split, but all the players said that. That really, yeah, it's nice to have that image as uh, a relatively clean program and doing it the right way. But at the end of the day, all Mike cares about is beating you. And I think that's why he has nearly 1,200 victories. It's, it's having that uh, philosophy about the game and about life. And the, the number of players that he has turned out uh, from Duke into the professional ranks, Ian O'Connor, are too many to mention, and certainly some of the greats of all time and then the personalities that he has had to manage collegiately but also at the olympic level is quite something and that's a story that i saw uh in an excerpt as well as on your twitter account that i'd love to you to recount here 
was when he was in the Beijing games in 08 and a young LeBron James demanded Coach K to rectify whatever was going on with Kobe Bryant and between the two of them. I give you the floor on this one, Ian. Well, Rich, yeah, Kobe uh, was taking some Laker shots that weren't very team-centric, <laughs> and it, it had built up a little bit over time. Players started to grumble about it. And so the last preliminary game in Shanghai against Australia, he took a couple, not too many, but LeBron had hit the breaking point with it. And Coach K was all about accountability, shared accountability within that team. So he held LeBron accountable on some things. So LeBron decided, you know what, I'm going to hold Krzyzewski accountable on this. So he uh, passes by him near the Team USA bench, and according to someone who heard it directly, he said, yo, coach, you better fix that mother blank. And, of course, he was talking about Kobe Bryant. So now Krzyzewski has to deal with this, and he wants no part of it. As a college coach, his first Olympic Games, he does not want to rebuke the great Kobe Bryant, but he has to. And he has to show LeBron that he's willing to do that. So the next day, with trepidation, he approached Kobe, and he took him into a side room. He opened up his uh, laptop, and I don't know, maybe he had six or seven shots on there. And he told Kobe, these are BS shots. You can't do this. You could do this with the Lakers, but you can't take these shots when LeBron and Melo and, and Kidd and, and these other guys are your teammates. These are the best players in the world, so they don't deserve that. And uh, so we need you to, to make this change in approach. So Kobe looked at him, and I don't have the, the book page in front of me, so I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but mm -hmm. basically said, okay, it won't happen again, Coach. And, and, and that was the end of the meeting, and it didn't happen again. And Kobe bailed them out <laughs> against Spain in the gold medal game, and actually with a couple of acrobatic shots. So it's kind of interesting the way it played out. But, but Krzyzewski, and then Krzyzewski let LeBron know, hey, I took care of it. So you see LeBron holding Coach K accountable, Coach K holding Kobe accountable, and they won their first of, uh, well, two gold medals together as a group. And then, of course, Coach K went on to, to win a third in Rio. What's in your book, if you don't mind, um, about Coach K kicking the tires on the NBA and why he never went? What did you find out? Well, there? and he, he thought seriously about the Celtics in 90. I think he got the sense that he hadn't won the big one yet, and he wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. he, kept, he, was, he was Marv Levy before there was Marv Levy, uh, losing the big one, and, and so he hadn't won the national title yet. He also sensed that Dave Gavitt wanted him, and Red Auerbach wasn't sure about hiring a college coach. And then in 2004, Kobe really recruited him to, to coach the Lakers. He, he took that very seriously. I would say that was probably, Rich, the closest he came to actually leaving uh, Duke. But as it turned out, by staying, he got the best of both worlds. He got to control winning more, as you can in college, because when you win in college, you get the best players to still come to you. In the NBA, when you win, you pick last in the draft. So he got that, he kept that, and then he also got a chance to coach the best NBA players in the world at three Olympic games. So... So really, it worked out perfectly for him, and actually, that Olympic experience changed him and inspired him to gravitate more towards the one-and-done players. After Beijing, he changed. All of a sudden, he went after John Wall. Kentucky got him okay. Then he gets Kyrie Irving. He gets Austin Rivers, who was a slam dunk one-and-done at the time. He gets Jabari Parker. So that, that Olympic experience and coming home back to Duke, telling himself, I really just want to coach the best players in the world at that level, that really inspired him to embrace one and done. 
What did you discover about the, his relationship, uh, uh, whatever it might have been, with Dean Smith when uh, when that rivalry between Duke and North Carolina certainly got a, a jolt adrenaline? What do you think? Yeah, it was, he had a better relationship, a closer relationship with Roy Williams. Dean Smith was so established when Mike arrived, right. he, he, he needed to try, to try to fight that and just fight for his place in that world, in his backyard. And so they were never really friendly. I think near the end of Dean Smith's life, they came together some. And, but, but he had a better relationship with Roy Williams. And because they were, Roy was at a different stage in his career when he got the Carolina job, and so was Mike. And uh, but Dean Smith, he certainly had great respect for what he accomplished. But the first time they ever coached against each other, it was in the final seconds of a game that Carolina basically had won, and Dean Smith went over to shake his hand, and Mike wouldn't shake it. He said, "The game's not over, Dean." And Roy Williams watched that and said, "You know what? This guy is going to be difficult to deal with." <laughs> 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 and Roy meant that as a compliment. As yes, no, said, I know. You know what? Yeah. Don't do don't do that to a legend like Dean Smith your first time out. Don't then he said, you know what? Mike's right, the game wasn't over. And and now we're gonna have to deal with this guy. And they certainly did. So Dean didn't go up to him with his finger pointing and saying, I'm I'm not gonna forget that? That didn't happen. <laughs> That didn't happen. They had another thing later on where Dean was mad. He punched the scorer's table, and he added 20 points to the Carolina uh, (laughs) score total by accident. And Krzyzewski flipped out about that. And he he railed about a double standard in the ACC, one for Dean Smith. Right, I remember that. And and, and now it's it's the Duke double standard. So Krzyzewski benefited from that years later. That is, I do remember that. I remember when he was complaining that, you know, Dean Smith, like if I had done it, there'd be a big problem, right? And then if, I do remember that, a double standard. Now here's Coach K, you know, uh, in his final year. So how do you think he's approaching the next six weeks? Well, hey, one one note to add to that. Roy sure. Williams did tell me after the Olympic experience, he got more phone calls from coaches complaining about the recruiting advantage that Mike Krzyzewski was getting by coaching Team USA than he could count. Mm. He said it was a crazy amount of people. I don't know why they called me to complain about it because I'm the one who's paying the price for it more than anybody. But, but he did uh, make that observation. I think, hey, Duke has a chance to win the whole thing. Paolo Bancaro has to carry them. He's got to get more aggressive. And obviously, if he goes out the way John Wooden did, that would be a fairy tale ending to, to a, a, an iconic career. And, and then he rides off into the sunset. Now, I think he will still be fairly involved in this program with John Shire as head coach. Uh, he's not a man with many hobbies. He doesn't play golf like Roy Williams. He, he does a little gardening, and he's not a big reader. So I, I think he's going to keep his office at Duke, and I think he's going to be involved in the basketball program. Okay, okay. that's cool. Um, before I let you go, so you've written books about Coach K now, in theory, mm-hmm. where, where books can be acquired right now. Belichick, Jeter, right? Um, Arnie and Jack. You wrote about them, correct? Um, is there any through line between these champions that you've noticed? Any particular trait that you've noticed in everybody that you've kind of done a story on or you've done a, a book on, Ian O'Connor? The obvious, I guess, is competitive. There's a, there's, there's a competitive arrogance in there that, that they have. I mean, beyond work ethic, attention to detail and, and all those things that – just an unbending belief in themselves that they could get it done. And I, 
I think it's best captured by I was at the Leitner game when Duke beat Kentucky in 92 in the Philly Spectrum, and that's probably the greatest play in college basketball history, and I was sitting courtside for that. After the game in the press conference, I asked Mike Krzyzewski, what did you tell your team in that final huddle before Grant Hill threw the ball to Leitner with 2.1 seconds left? Mm -hmm. And he said, we're going to win the game. And he made them believe that on the way back to the huddle, some players told me they were thinking about the beach and playing golf, and the season was over. They were one and done. They won the national title in 91. Now we're not going to repeat. The season's over. And in that huddle, he got them to believe they could actually win the game, and they did it. So I think that's what separates the greats of the great from really everyone else. You could say the same thing about Tiger and obviously Jordan, people I have not done biographies on, but uh, Tom Brady. They're serial killers, and I think that uh, the people I've written about here have that quality, competitive arrogance. Competitive arrogance. Write that down for a fantasy f- football team name. That's a, that's a very good, good one, one, competitive arrogance. And we have a whole bunch of avatar uh, possibilities with all the books that you've written. Ian O'Connor, I appreciate the time. Uh, before I let you go, how do you think Belichick is uh, taking, uh, you know, seeing his name in a lawsuit um, with Brian Flores and his text? <laughs> To, to Flores that was meant um, well it was meant for Flores he just forgot I guess he hit the wrong Brian in his in his contact list right, right he, it was meant for Dable right. right and so I think he's kicking himself over making a pretty uh, bad and, and careless uh, mistake uh, I do think uh, Flores is the right guy to lead that cause uh, it's obviously a major problem right. Rooney rule doesn't work at all but yes I think that uh, he is uh, he has kicked himself every day since he sent that text to the wrong Brian. No, I'm just, I, no, I know that. I'm just wondering what he thinks about being involved in, in this lawsuit with that. Yeah, it's, you know? I'm sure it's unsettling. And, and really, I mean, Bill deserves credit. He's the one who molded Flores into a, a good NFL head coach who never deserved to be fired in the first place. Bill raised him in the system and really shaped him into a great defensive coach who held the high-scoring Rams to three points in a Super Bowl as the lead defensive coach on that staff. So to be involved in this mess and Brian Flores be a part of it and Bill looks like one of the villains when it's really questionable whether or not that that should be the case. Yeah, I I think it's a tough one for him. No, I I mean, and I don't I don't it's unfortunate if he's viewed as a villain. I mean, he just reached out to uh, some, you know, uh, a a colleague who he wanted to congratulate and um, he sent it to the wrong Brian. I honestly think he meant Flores, and then um, and and then he realized it was a different Brian that he should have been sending it to. I don't know, but it's a terribly unfortunate send, that's for sure. Um, Ian, I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thanks so much, Rich. You got it. It's Ian O'Connor, everybody. Uh, go buy his book um, about Coach K, the rise and reign of Mike Krzyzewski. Did you know that he was interested in the Celtics job back in the day? God, I've never that, heard was that. Was that new for you? 1990, though. I saw I'm the look on think. your face. I'm trying to think back then. Dave yeah. Gavitt wanted him. Yeah. The old Big East name right there. Yeah, so he hadn't And yet. Red Auerbach was concerned about hiring a college coach. And then later on, hired Rick Pitino. Yuck. <laughs> <laughs> G- gave you one of the greatest quotes in the history of, uh, of Boston <laughs> sports. Yeah, traded Chauncey Billups after 15 Larry Bird's not walking through that door. Kevin McHale. Right. Not walking through that door. <laughs> Great guy. Hey, Sully. Hey, Fitz. <laughs> Wake up. It's a different team. How you like them apples? Nah.
not like those apples. <laughs> <laughs> they were rotten apples. They were rotten <laughs> apples. It didn't like those apples uh, <laughs> at all. Rotten rotten didn't like the apples uh, at all. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we will take a break. Come back. Uh, we got some phone calls, and we'll set up uh, Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith joining us, top of hour number three. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Back here on the Terrestrial Radio Outfit, just showed a clip of Al Michaels with Mike Ruzioni from four years ago throughout the, the history of our show because of our friendship with Al Michaels, um, one, of the, one of the greatest people I've gotten to meet um, in my job. Uh, Al has made himself available um, for multiple Miracle on Ice anniversaries. Today is the... 42nd it's anniversary insane. of the miracle wow. on ice and so throughout our history we've had we've hooked up al when he's been in studio we hooked him up with ken dryden his broadcasting partner yep yep uh michael ruzioni yep um last year we hooked him up with jim craig on zoom and it's all sitting on our youtube page youtube.com slash rich eisen show the conversations are dynamite do you want to FaceTime Al right now just to say congratulations, happy anniversary? Um, and ask him if he still does, in fact, believe in miracles. Yes, I think I think you should do that right now. I the mean, question is, would Al answer like, the like, FaceTime radio right now. television? I think Al will 100% answer. I, I don't know. He, he might be on, like, the second tee box at Bel Air. Yeah, yeah. Uh, totally fine, totally know. fair. I don't know. I just, I just don't think he's the guy that you FaceTime and say, "I'm on live TV. I'm on exactly. live radio." No, but like, I think it's just like, it's like, hey, Al, just wanted to wish you happy anniversary, and he'll under. I guarantee you, he will get it immediately. And then you'd just be like, you know, do you? He might not be camera ready. I mean, I don't, you know, well, we these can't, are things. We can't see him. I mean, you're literally <laughs> just like for you, but we're going to be listening. I'm close. You're close. You were so close to doing it. Come on. When was the last time you seriously considered your dream? Mercedes-Benz vans want to know because they have got the van life ready for you. Because you used to think about your dream all the time. And it's now time for you and your dream to get back together. Think about it. This Mercedes-Benz Sprinter that I'm talking about 
is totally customized. And you could tour around all national park sites. You can tour around the country. You could go see friends and family that you haven't seen for years. Or you could start your own business. It's really whatever you dream up. Because in this Mercedes-Benz van that we're talking about, you can expect innovative safety features like crosswind assist and blind spot assist. You can expect amazing performance and reliability with an MBUX voice command system, a five-star dealer network, and an available gas engine. It runs like a dream. So what do you say? Head to the Mercedes-Benz van dealership and get that Sprinter. Tell him that your dream sent you. Just like, I, I know he's, he's got to be a recent dial for you, too. So just kind of go he's down. He's a recent yeah. dial. Just <laughs> go down dial. and be like, <laughs> FaceTime. Brock boom, and I boom, thought we, had, we, thought, we thought TJ, right? No, he's thinking he about thinking. it. He, he really he wants thinking. to do it. When the look down came, Rich I, was thinking. I remember one time we had Whitworth here, and in the green room, I we were doing the thing, and I said, which teammate would you FaceTime right now and you know that they would answer? And he thought about it, and he was like, Tyler Higby, but he's probably in the tub, and he didn't want to do it, and he did it, and Higby answered on the first there ring. There you go, <laughs> see? Don't, don't get uh, big-timed by Witt and Higby here, Rich. This is a moment for you. This is a big moment for you. I really think you can make this Uh-oh. happen. Here he goes. Just a happy oh, anniversary. Oh, wow. Did you text Al oh, to give him a heads up? Matt in don't Santa Cruz. I, didn't, I did not. I did not. You Matt, know, I saw you. Matt in Santa Cruz, California. What's <laughs> up, Matt? How are you, Matt? Good morning, Rich. Daily Consumer on Sirius XM Attaboy. Attaboy. I, uh... So the, the league, the National Football League, has moved to put themselves in every month. They stay in your mind. They have the combine and the draft and then the, uh, the summer practice. And so Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, he keeps himself in your mind every month. He stays on the, you know, in the media, even he gets on the social media, whether he says something or not. Right. Everybody talks about Rodgers. He's a two-time back. He's a four-time MVP and the, the, the MVP of the league back-to-back years. So, sure. Yes. So we're all talking about. Now, so does Kyler Murray try a little of this? Hey, I'll play the game with the social media and everybody talks about me. Or is Kyler Murray really angling to get out and go play for Coach Tomlin? I haven't heard anybody say mm. Murray to Pittsburgh, mm. but I think it's a good fit. Well, Tomlin did um, talk the other day about mobility at the quarterback position being something that is paramount, and clearly that's something that he hasn't had with Roethlisberger for a long time. You know, ben used to move, as you oh, know. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. play, that the thing about Roethlisberger is the play, for most quarterbacks, the play ends when he's hit. For Roethlisberger, for most of his career, the play began after he was hit. Um, that would be fascinating. Thanks for the call. Appreciate sure. it. You know, I, I again, yeah. he hasn't said he wants out. Kyler Murray needs to declare. Okay, it's time to call. Yeah. Are he's you pot, in or are you well, out? He's pot committed right now, to use the poker phrase. He's meaning he's got he's enough. Or he's got enough already in to just do the whole thing. And the whole thing is dicey for him. Not because of Pittsburgh. It's because... The difference between Murray and his Instagram and whatever Aaron Rodgers was doing with his Instagram, and it could be just as simple as him just wanting to tell everyone in his life that he loves them, um, is that Rodgers is the back-to-back MVP of the National Football League. <laughs> that's true. And that's doubled the number of MVPs that he's had, and he's going to the Hall of Fame, and he's got a Super Bowl ring. Now, you could make as much as you want about the lack of other Super Bowl rings for him and how that has been a problem, 
But everything else for Aaron being generationally wealthy and playing deep into his career and all of that is good in the hood. For Kyler Murray, all he's done is had a terrific Heisman Trophy college career, got to the pros, and has made a big splash because he is really good. But that's it. And if he's going to say, I want out to go to Pittsburgh, well, guess what you're going to have to do in Pittsburgh? What you didn't do in Arizona. And you can hit a reset button and have Mike Tomlin be your HC. It would be very uncharacteristic for Pittsburgh to take the proverbial big swing at quarterback because you'd have to send a whole boatload to Arizona. But first, Kyler's got to declare. Are you just letting your timeline be your lifeline, which is what Warren Sapp said here last week? Or do you really want out? Do you really want out? Because if you really want out, you will be in play, sir, over the next three weeks. And the Steelers would look, I mean, Kyler versus Lamar twice a year. Count me in versus Burrow twice a year. I'm all in on that. Lovey Smith coming up. 